Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So we've got some breaking news right now. The 10-year Treasury yield is exploding higher. We're going to go over some charts right now that's going to completely blow your mind. And it begs the question, maybe I have been wrong about a soft landing. Maybe I've been wrong about inflation. Maybe I've been wrong about the yield curve. Maybe I've been wrong about interest rates. Let's go through this. Let's look at the data. Try to remain objective. Keep an open mind. And at the end of this video, we'll go ahead and connect some dots here. So first and foremost, we've got to go over to the 10-year treasury yield. Look at this. In fact, this is a five-year chart, but let's go to like a one month and look at, look at this. I mean, it was going up, but now as of the last couple of days, in, in fact, today it spiked almost to 4.5%. So keep in mind on this channel, I've been talking about how we have never had a steepening of the yield curve or when it becomes uninverted, let's say, as a result of a bear steepener, which is the long end of the curve going up. Therefore, the probability of that happening this time around is very, very low. Although there are no certainties, only probabilities. But what this is, to, I mean, the 10 years skyrocketing as far as the yield. And then what I've also said is kind of my base case is we stay in this range with CPI until we get a crisis, then deflation or disinflation, or we have more government spending, some sort of catalyst that takes us to that next wave of consumer price inflation on the upside. But what this is implying is that maybe, I don't know how, but look, I, I can't argue with the prices here. I can't argue with the market. Maybe the 10-year treasury is sniffing out more inflation before we have a disinflationary, recessionary crash, whatever you want to call it, hard landing, let's say. All right. But before we go any further, let's check out what's happening with the two-year, because it's not just about the 10-year yield. Remember, it's the delta between the two. So this is the 10-year minus the two-year Fred chart. And we are still at about a 77 basis point delta, which is where we have been for quite some time. So this would imply that, well, I don't know, maybe we're still not going to have that long end go up more than the two-year, more than the front end, which would steepen out that curve. In other words, to where it would uninvert, let's say. But let's look, but keep in mind, if we look at this data, this is as of yesterday. It's not as of today. So let's just assume for a moment the 10-year trading at 4.5, and let's go over to the two-year trading at 5.14. So that gives us a delta of, I'm no math expert, but 65 basis points, call it. So we are starting to see this shrink. Now we've still got a massive gap right there. That is still wildly <laughs> inverted. We're nowhere close to flat or steep or uninverted, but this is a sign that we definitely need to pay attention to. Now, another thing I want to point out you guys know that one of the things we discussed in St. Bart's when I was meeting with Hugh Hendry, Jeff Snyder, Brent Johnson, and several hedge fund managers that quite literally manage billions of dollars is when we're looking at, hey, are we right? Are we wrong? Let's look at the charts and see what the charts are telling us. Now, we don't start with the charts. We start with the top-down kind of global macro fundamentals. We figure out a base case, and then we look at charts to determine entry points when we buy, sell, and then if we're right or wrong, and then maybe we reassess, we reevaluate our original hypothesis. Okay, so let's zoom out 
to where we are today. Actually, let me do the five-year first. So look at this. We shot right through 4.21, call it. Now we're just boom, right up to 4.5 just in the last couple of days. And where does that take us? So, so there's basically nothing but air ahead of us. So meaning no resistance levels. But let's zoom out because obviously there is a resistance level somewhere. But let's look at that next resistant level, 5.03. That's 50 basis points, 50 basis points. So we're going to have to watch this like a hawk because if the 10-year treasury goes up over, let's say, 4.5 and stays there consistently, especially with some volume, the next level we could possibly see would be 5%. So quick question, what happens to mortgage rates if the 10-year goes to 5%? I mean, you're looking at 9%, maybe north of 9%. So think about that through the lens of affordability and current demand being at all-time low for houses. (laughs) What's that going to do to demand? (laughs) But let's get back to the topic at hand here. And let's move over to how this is impacting markets. So Zero Hedge got a great article here, Bond Bloodbath, no doubt. And that is not hyperbole. That Wow, I cannot believe just today. I mean, it's gone up by what, Josh? Like 20 basis points just today. And this is huge news. So as you would expect, it just smokes Bitcoin and looks like gold, I would imagine oil, is down as well. And I would imagine the dollar is up substantially. The NASDAQ just probably got really taken out to the, the shed, <laughs> so to speak. Let me go. <laughs> Let me go over to the CNBC homepage. And uh, I almost feel sorry for the NASDAQ. I haven't looked at it yet, though. Let's see what it down, Yeah, down 1.82%. That's no surprise. Gold down, yeah, that's no surprise either. Oil down, Bitcoin down, yeah. And bond yields way up and therefore prices down. Boy, so basically every single asset is down. (laughs) Everything, stocks, bonds, crypto, commodities, and gold. (laughs) Great data, jeez. Well, I guess it's a good day to hold cash or uh, short-term T-bills. So then you're not exposed to those interest rates at the long end of the curve going straight up and therefore the value of what you own going down. But getting back to this Zero Hedge article. So Central Bank's Smorgasbord, Smorgasbord, <laughs> that is a tough word to pronounce, isn't it? Started the day off with a bang, confusing cross currents uh, because all, oh, that's another thing that we didn't go over. All of these banks were, uh, well, not, How should I say this? A lot of central banks were making big moves today, but in opposite directions. So as an example, the Bank of England went ahead and paused. So they're in official pause mode. I think the Bank of Switzerland did the same. I think the Bank of Sweden bumped by 25. But then Turkey took interest rates up to 30%. (laughs) Not three, 30, three, zero percent. What do you think of more? In fact, Josh, while we're talking, do me a favor. Can you go and pull up what mortgage rates are in Turkey <laughs> right now? I shouldn't laugh, but geez, what's a mortgage rate going to, uh, or what's a mortgage going to run you? Can you imagine going down to the local bank and the banker coming out and say, sir, we've got great news because of your incredible credit score. You have been approved for a mortgage at a mere 50% interest rate. Oh, thank goodness. 
<laughs> oh, what's my monthly payment going to be? Well, more good news. You just bought a $50,000 house and your monthly payment is only going to be $10,000. Yay. I mean, <laughs> that's, it sounds crazy to say that, but that's really what we're dealing with here as far as Turkey. Boy, talk about interest rate differentials. Jeez. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. But getting back to the Zero Edge article here. So they say, and this is source Bloomberg here, we suspect it may need to go lower than that, fewer cuts still. Lower than what are they talking about here? So, but it was still the Fed. It was on everyone's mind. The market's expectation rate cuts next year are quickly reduced from over six rate cuts implied to July to only three now. Six, why would you even have six rate cuts? Uh, unless you're just looking at the yield curve. And if you're looking at the yield curve, then why aren't we talking about it? Why isn't, why is it this elephant in the room that no one even, you know what? It, it's like uh, Harry Potter. Didn't it, Josh, I'd never watched those movies, but I'm sure you did in Harry Potter. Didn't they have some name like Voldemort or something like that, that you weren't allowed to say yeah. because it was like too scary or like the demons would come out or, you know, something like that. That That's basically what the yield curve is. It, it's, it's like Voldemort of, of financial news. <laughs> All right. But they're saying treasuries mixed bag moves a short end up. But combined the last two days, all yields are significantly higher. Yeah, no kidding. So they're pointing out what we were talking about earlier, twos and thirties steeper. Oh, steeper, so less inverted. Right, right, right. And the twos and tens are uh, less inverted as well. George, That's what I thought was really interesting was yeah. that China is being forced to sell almost a trillion dollars worth of treasuries, all pretty much all in the long end, probably to get dollar liquidity. That article just came out yesterday from Reuters. But think about that, Josh. If the 10-year treasury just went to 4.5%, what did that do to the price of the 10-year? Tanking. Tanking. And so sell, so China is sitting there just offloading all these treasuries because they need the dollar liquidity, and they're taking a massive haircut, assuming that they're offloading at the long end of the curve. Oh, well, they're at any part of the curve, assuming that they bought uh, you know, when interest rates were very, very low which I'm sure they did. They've been loading up on US debt. Now they might be a net seller as of the last couple of years, but hey, let's go back to the GFC. I mean, they've accumulated, I think well over a trillion dollars worth of treasuries, the PBOC. So let's just assume that they're getting those, their dollar cost average for a 10 year treasury is let's say 2%. Okay, great. You're offloading that now at 4.5%. 
So let's just assume you had a trillion dollars with the treasuries. Not anymore. They're basically China becomes Silicon Valley Bank that they're having to unload. They're excuse me. They're having to offload and sell all of these treasuries because of some crisis situation. Like with Silicon Valley Bank, it was depositors or their deposits were crashing. So it was the liability side of their balance sheet, right? Well, same thing with China now. It's these dollar liabilities that they have. They need these dollars. Therefore, they're in crisis mode. So instead of holding these things to maturity, like they'd probably prefer to do, they're just having to offload them at massive, massive haircut. I mean, I don't know what the percentage would be, but I'll bet they're selling them probably at a 30% haircut. So again, when you ha- when you sit back and look at China offloading all these treasuries, I-, I don't think you can come to the conclusion that they're doing this from a position of strength. This is from a position of weakness, for heaven's sakes. You don't sell things at a 30% haircut uh, when you're in a position of strength. So great point, Josh. So dollar index up. Now, this is another thing that we really need to discuss Let's go to a DXY chart and let's do uh, one year. So the kind of line in the sand that we're really paying attention to going back to the charts and kind of those resistance levels is where we were. Looks like March, of, of course, March, because of flight to safety in the dollar where we were at, call it 5.7 ish. So with the, the, the Fed, what the market is thinking or they're buying this hawkish talk from the Fed, from Jerome Powell. So uh, this could create that interest rate differential where the market thinks the ECB is coming down the dollar, or excuse me, the Fed is going to continue to hike. Therefore, you, well, you would expect in that environment for the dollar to go up on the DXY relative to a basket of currencies. So if the dollar shoots through, let's say 106, the same thing as treasuries. I mean, the, the next, in fact, it's even more dramatic for the dollar on the DXY, because if it shoots through 106 on volume and stays there, uh, the next level of resistance is going to be probably 113. Yeah, 113. So think about how much trouble uh, the value of the dollar going up is for all of these foreign, it's like Japan. Just think about that for a moment. You've got oil spiking to uh, up over $90 a barrel while the yen is tanking. And you got the dollar exploding higher. Well, okay. So you're buying all this energy. You're a net importer, a massive net importer of energy. And let's just call it oil. Okay. So what do you do if the price of oil is going up, but you need dollars to buy that oil and the dollar is exploding higher against your own currency? That's a double whammy right there. Meaning that even if your currency wasn't devaluing against the dollar or the dollar wasn't appreciating against your currency, you'd still have to have more yen out of pocket to buy that gallon of gas or that barrel of oil. But now you've just, no pun intended, you've added fuel to the fire because not only is that oil price higher, but you don't, you need more yen to buy the dollars to buy the oil. So man, you're really getting that right hook, that economic right hook from Tyson that we always talk about. And just think, that's at 105. Just think how brutal that is for the economy, like uh, economies like Japan, that are net importers of commodities if the dollar goes to, back to 113. And then think about this. If China is having to sell do- uh, treasuries right now because they're short on dollars, <laughs> how short on dollars are they going to be with the dollar at 113, for heaven's sakes? 
That means they're going to have to sell much more yet. This is another one of these powder kegs that we talk about all the time. So going back to answer the question, uh, you know, am I wrong? And and to be clear, my base case was the curve is, uh, uninverts as a result of the bowl steepener, which would be the rates coming down at the front end, like we've seen throughout history going back to the 1950s. So far, I'm not going to wave the white flag because although that delta has shrunk, look, we're still at 65 basis points. That's still a massive inversion. So I'm not going to sit here and say that I was wrong until I see that 10-year. I'm not going to claim I'm wrong until I see that 10-year higher than the two-year. And then we see the whole curve steepen out. I think then I'll come on and admit, hey, guys, I think I was wrong. This time it is different. Another thing I want to point out is I think the market could be massively off sides right now because we know this is what the market does. They trick everybody. The market tends to trick everyone, all these retail and the mainstream media and everyone out there to buy into a narrative and then boom, they do the old rug pull. So you could see this where, or this, you could see this scenario play out where everyone gets on the whole, oh my gosh, rates are going up, rates are going up, rates are going up, rates are going up. Fed's going to increase. Look at the dot plot. Look at Jerome Powell. He's finally getting some testosterone injections. <laughs> That's an inside joke if you watched that video yesterday. But we, the, the, the market could all, everyone go on one side of the boat. Oh my gosh, interest rates up, interest rates up, interest rates up, interest rates up. And then boom, we get a crash rug pull. Interest rates plummet. I would not be surprised if that's what we see. This would be very consistent with how the market responded. I mean, just go back to any crisis. Go back to the GFC. Go back and read the uh, Wall Street Journal from 2007, 2008. You saw this exact same narrative, exact same narrative play out. And uh, so then as far as the, um, oh, I was, I was going to say Fed funds. And what we see usually is once they pause, they continue to pause. So that would put me more in the camp of rug pull, if you will, rug pull on interest rates for all those people that think that interest rates are going to continue to go to the moon. Now, as far as uh, inflation, I'm still, I still think the probability is high based on the yield curve that we're going to have a disinflationary bust, let's say, similar to what we had during the GFC. And we might even get a quarter of deflation. And I think we stay in this range until something happens. I'm not ready to wave the white flag on that one. I will, Josh, I will remain data dependent. How's that sound? <laughs> and on that bombshell, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. This is a story that we'll be following very, very closely as far as what's going on with the 10-year and the yield curve. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market, capitalism. And we'll see you on the next video.